What is up, you guys? Welcome back to another edition of the podcast. My name is Ramon, and this is Dad's Podcast Project. And today, I know I said I wasn't going to do this. However, we are just going to go ahead and take a deep dive into Chernobyl, episode three. Spoiler warning, this episode was another amazing one. And let's just get right into it. Episode three, Chernobyl. I know I already said that I wasn't going to be doing any podcasts about this show. However, it is just too amazing to not talk about. I've talked to my coworkers. I've talked to my friends. I've talked to my brother about this. I've told my wife she needs to get on board and start watching this show. It is an amazing show. They did a really great job with it. I'm totally impressed cinematography wise, just story wise, the cast of actors that they've acquired for this for this show is just top notch if you're watching the video i'm noticing right now i've got a little bit of uh, spit up on me that's what that is this is dad's podcast project i do have two little ones and you get you get spit up on you so uh that, that's just it comes with the territory so pay it no mind please if you're if you're wondering what that is so anyways episode three chernobyl Spoilers ahead. You be, you have been warned. If you haven't seen the episode yet, I recommend you guys go and check it out. I have not taken the time to listen to the post-episode podcast just yet. I'm going to check it out tomorrow on my way to work. <clears throat> Excuse me. So to get into it, we're starting out after episode two. They've sent three of the plant workers into the underground inner pipe workings of the facility. They are responsible for shutting off or opening the valves to then drain the water that is left over in the tankers. I've not done an episode two review, so you guys are going to have to find a spoiler review if you want to know what happened in episode two. This is strictly episode three. So they're in this underground area that's where episode two cuts out the lights are out and it just fades to black so one of the workers ends up getting this pump light and he's hand generating the electricity so that they can see underground or in in this in this not very well lit area (coughs) man my throat Let me get myself a little drink of water real quick. (laughs) So they're going through the inner workings and everyone's pretty much just outside waiting. They're waiting to see if these men were successful or not in their task. And a little bit of time passes, but they end up coming out, hands in the air. They did it. They were successful. And... All seems well. They've drained the water. It would have been a thermonuclear disaster because the sand and boron that they were dumping via airplane on top of the exposed reactor was only a band-aid and a temporary one at that. Eventually, that sand was going to become lava and that lava was then going to melt past the retaining or the 
whatever barrier that they have underneath the reactor and into the water. And just that immediate contrast in superheated lava with water was going to create like, I forget if it was like a 30 or 40 megaton equivalent explosion, which would have decimated the entire facility and just probably exposed, if not blew up those other three reactors that are still going, by the way. So this whole time, there's still reactor one, two, and three. Those are still humming along. Those are still providing electricity to the people of Ukraine and the Soviet Union and the, like the surrounding areas. So they're not out of the out of the woods yet. So they end up <clears throat> successful in their mission, and then we cut over to the wife of the firefighter from episode one, who went into the blaze. He was there the night of the the incident or he was called out to the 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 power plant on the night of the incident to put out what they were told was a roof fire so he's suffering some pretty bad radiation exposure he's going through it and his wife has tracked him down because she wants to be there for him he shouldn't have to go through this alone and so she actually has to bribe the nurse at the counter to let her through because they're not allowing visitors. The, the people are cut off from, from these, uh, these burn victims, these radioactive people pretty much. And so she's able to get in there. She sees her husband. First thing they tell her, don't touch him. There's no, like make no contact, physical contact with one another. And she just throws that out into the wind and she's hugging him, kissing him everything. She's happy to see him. And I think that from a marital standpoint, that does, that definitely reigns true. And that transcends across whatever illness or disease your loved one, your partner in life has, whether it's um, something like cancer, AIDS, anything of that nature, even radiation, Love is not going to keep you from putting your hands on that person, from showing them comfort. Because when the world is sort of like, this person's off limits, we as human beings almost crave that, that sense of physical love, that sense of physical touch. And being that she's his wife, no matter how sick he is, it doesn't matter to her. Maybe if she was a little bit more educated on what he had, she may just think that he's suffering from severe burns. She may not know that it's radiation poisoning that he's going through and that she really shouldn't even be close to him. But I almost wonder if that would have made much of a difference in, 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 the, in the grand scheme of things or if she still would have acted in the same way. But without veering off topic too much, she ends up spending time with them in the hospital. And they cut back and forth between the scientists involved with trying to solve this problem and the woman who is with her husband in the hospital. So they cut to the scientists who are involved and they're kind of explaining like what some of the men who are on ground zero are going to be going through. 
talks about all that radiation contact is going to start breaking down their cells, breaking down their tissue, bone marrow, immune system, all of this stuff. They're going to get sores and blisters and their skin's going to turn black. It's just, you almost melt. And so, and then he asked, well, what's going to happen to those of us who are a little bit farther away and we not we weren't necessarily on ground zero? And the scientist hits him back with the, well, blood disease. Our DNA is forever, forever altered. So eventually we'll have cancer or some type of just disease and it'll be fatal. It won't be like some kind of cancer that it's like stage one, two, three. Maybe it just jumps right to stage four. Maybe it's just critical. And that's what radiation does when you're exposed to that that much radiation. It just messes your body up. So they actually show that in the hospital scenes. They show some of these men who were at ground zero on the night of the, the incident and what they're going through. They almost look alien in, in their physical appearance. They're no longer looking like themselves. But this woman, she sees her husband and he's being transported to a special, a special room put behind plastic. And the nurse tells him, don't go behind the plastic, but warnings be damned, she does it anyways. She goes behind that plastic and she sits bedside with him. And he has just, he's going through it. He's probably only got a couple more days left. And she hits him with the, we're pregnant, we're going to have a baby. He's got his hand on her stomach and everything. And that's where it's kind of like, when do, when do the nurses tell this woman what's going on? And there's this other um, nuclear physicist, main character of the, of the story of the show. She sees this woman and barges right into the room and tells her, what are you doing here? Like, you need to, you need to go. And she sees this other nurse and she's like, do you know this woman's pregnant? How could you let her in this room? How could you, does she even know what, what's going on here? People are going to find out about this. Remember Soviet Russia, around the corner comes two men. Everybody's going to know about what is what they ask her. And she's just like caught like a deer in headlights. These people didn't really know they were being followed by the KGB. They are trying to keep this hush-hush under wraps. They don't want the outside world, especially the United States or other countries that they may be in conflict or disagreement with, knowing exactly what's going on. They want to control the flow of information. And so when this woman states that everybody's going to know, mm-mm, that's not going to fly. They end up throwing her in jail. So they're presenting the report to, I don't know if he's the dictator, the president, the, I don't, I don't know what the title is in the Soviet Union at that time for the man in charge, but they end up telling him that a majority of the problem has been solved. They actually reached out and got some miners to come 
and dig a hole underneath the reactor core because the meltdown was beginning. And the meltdown means it's so hot that it's going to melt down into the earth. And there's an underwater canal that if that core or that reactor were to melt into that water, it would contaminate it pretty much forever. When you talk about radiation and radioactive materials, it is for the rest of your life, for sure, that it'll be unusable. But we're talking tens of thousands of years of contamination, major damage to the planet. And so they get this group of miners and they tell them, you know, when you guys are ordered to come out. You got to dig. And the miners, they're just like, I need to know more than that. If you want me to go anywhere and they have soldiers with them too, they're like, you can, you can shoot us. If you want us to come with you, you need to tell us a little bit more than you just need to come with us. And so he, t- the, um, I, it's like the administrator of coal or something like that. Like he's, he's supposed to be their big boss, like a union leader. And he tells them, you guys are shipping out to Chernobyl. And right away, these men have the look on their face like they know what's up. They've, they've heard the rumors of what went on out there. And he tells them, all right, let's go. So these men are out there and they've been digging. And the goal is to reach underneath the reactor core in time to hopefully seal it off or do something, pump some, some cement down there so that it blocks the core from getting into the water. And it is so hot down there. They're like, can we get some fans? And the soldiers tell them, no, the fans are going to kick up dust. The dust is going to get in your lungs and that's bad for you. No, no fans. And the next scene that they cut to in a little bit, uh, the miners are all just naked. They're just bug boon naked. And he comes up to the man in charge and he tells him, you know, we're, we're mining the way our fathers mined. It's too hot down there for the clothes, but at least we're wearing the hats. And they kind of already know. There are, they are, on a, in a sense, a suicide mission. They're doing this. They've just cut their life expectancy way down. And he asked one of the guys in charge, will our family be taken care of? Because they know they're not going to make it. All of them have been exposed. And the guy is honest with them. I don't know. That's got to be a tough pill to swallow. You're doing something that's going to save the country. And you can't even be ensured that your family is going to be cared for after your sacrifice. That's, that's rough. So they end up presenting the news. The miners are making progress. But now it's time for the long battle, or the long war. And he throws out some more numbers. And these numbers are just wildly insane, like the things that they have to do. Because this isn't over. For X amount of kilometers around ground zero, they have to overturn the earth, cut down the trees, pretty much make it a barren land. 
because those trees and and that earth and all that stuff is going to blow with the seasons radioactive materials into non-affected areas it says animals whether domestic or wild have to be assumed to be contaminated and will need to be put down so already you're tasking soldiers with going out there anything across this line cat dog or otherwise must be put down that's your job because if it gets across this line it may well may very well be contaminated and it will contaminate other things that we don't want contaminated he also said that they're going to have to build a structure over the facility to contain it and they get they asked him what's an estimate of the men you're going to need for this and they said about 750,000 men doctors engineers construction workers the whole lot they're going to need a huge amount of people and that there will be death there will be a death toll because you're sending people into a radioactive location and the man in charge is like, what are we looking at here? And he says thousands, maybe tens of thousands of people will die or forever be changed at least. And he said, go ahead and do it. Whatever you need, get it done. It's one of those wild, just such a wild disaster. And to just throw people at it. Because that's all you really can do. It's one of those things with radiation. It's not like a fire that you can just leave burning. And it just, like like if a smokestack was on fire and just pluming straight into the air and wasn't physically spreading on the ground, only billowing smoke into the sky. And you can just let that go until it eventually burns out. But when it is the reactor core of this nuclear facility... That is something that essentially wouldn't burn out. Like, yes, the fires were put out, but the core still remains active and hot at a temperature that is hot enough to turn the sand that they've dumped on it into lava. It's like you have to act. And it does take, unfortunately, a person in a position of power to say, do it because it must be done. Now, the whole while this woman's been sitting in prison, the other scientific guy involved, main character in the show, I'm, I'd really like to be able to just spitfire their names, but I've, I feel like I will butcher them just trying to attempt saying them. He ends up asking the director of the KGB, where's this woman at? I need her. And he kind of just tells him, you know, all these crazy stories that you hear, everybody's following everybody. Are you going to be accountable for her? Eventually he says yes. And it's like, okay, that's all I needed. We're going to let her go. But they end on a very eerie note with the show. And it's when they're having a conversation. She ended up going to that hospital to interview some of the men who were in the control room. And to ask them while they were still alive, what happened? Because she's trying to run the numbers on paper on how this reactor core explodes. And she's just coming up rolling snake eyes. I don't see how it exploded. 
and she asked these men who were in the control room, did you not hit the RZ-5 button to abort and shut down the reactor? And both men involved said, yes, I called it out. And yes, this man pressed the button. I saw it. And when she interviewed the man who said he pressed the button, he even confirmed, yes, I pressed the button. And that's when it exploded. So the next episode, they're going to go talk to that Dunlov, the dude who was making all those wild accusations. I, yeah, it was just a tanker that exploded. He was downplaying the whole situation from, from, from the get-go. And she's going to talk to him. And they end with that. We got to follow this wherever it may lead. Because if we don't find out how this happened in order to prevent it, it will happen again. And that was a really spooky statement. And that was episode three. It had me again, not necessarily on the edge of my seat, but it's just, it's a really good show. I cannot speak highly enough about it. I really enjoy it. The writing, the cast, the colors and the cinematography, it just all falls together very, very nicely. And I I recommend you guys check it out. There's only five episodes. We're already past the halfway point. Next Monday is episode four. I anticipate listening to the podcast in bits and pieces throughout the week. There are about 30 to 45 minute episodes, I want to say. And yeah, that's all I've got for you guys. If you're watching the show, let me know what you guys think. Are you fans? Could you not really sit through it? Is it as is, is, is interesting to you as it is to me? Let me know in that comment section down below. And as always, you guys, thank you for taking the time to listen. Be sure to hit that subscribe button. And until next time, see ya.